and Hound podcast. Hello and welcome to the Horse and Hound podcast. I'm Pippa Room, magazine editor at Horse and Hound. Well, I hope you all enjoyed Badminton Week, whether you were on site in Gloucestershire or watching at home, and that you also followed our online coverage and will be picking up the magazine this week to relive all the glories again. For our interview in this episode, my colleague Jennifer Donald is speaking to show jumping Olympic gold medalist Scott Brash. He talks about why he believes Hello Jefferson is one of the best horses in the world. You know, I think there's not many horses with great attributes that he has. You know, I, I really do think that there's no Grand Prix not capable of winning. We'll be reviewing badminton and I'll also be chatting to our news team about riders teaching others without holding the appropriate licence, the build-up to the World Championships and the shortage of vets in Britain. Finally, bits and bitting expert Trisha Nassau-Williams will give us some final thoughts as she rounds off her mini-series on our podcast. In bitting and bridling and saddling our horses properly, the equipment that we have is just one part of the story. They're only the tools of our trade and good equitation will always come back down to the rider, their commitment, their ability. So pop on your horse's boots and let's get started. Hi, I'm Jennifer Donald, show jumping editor at Horse and Hound. And this week I'm thrilled to be joined by an Olympic and European gold medalist, a multi-grand prix and global champions tour winner, and the only rider to have won the Rolex Grand Slam of show jumping. It's Scott Brash. Hey Scott, welcome to this week's podcast. Hi Jen. So Scott, we're gearing up for Royal Windsor this week, um, and I think we all agree it's one of the best shows in the world, so to have it on home soil is very exciting. I'm guessing nothing beats competing in front of your home crowd, but especially at a venue like that, it's one of the best, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. It's an amazing show, Royal Windsor. And as you say, to compete in front of our home crowd, it's always a very great crowd. And, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, you know, we compete, you know, sort of every week around the world, but it's always special being back in front of the home crowd and and, and your friends and family and whatever. So, yeah, really looking forward to it. Good stuff. And I think it's going to feel extra special this year with the Queen's Platinum Jubilee. Do you get time to enjoy the atmosphere or anything else at the show or are you sort of firmly in the show jumping zone? No, definitely. I think uh, that's going to give the show an extra buzz, I'm sure. And, and um, you know, this sort of uh, first year back at full capacity, I think. So, yeah, yeah I think it's it's going to be great with a great atmosphere and uh, yeah, we'll try and suck it all in. The good stuff. And the Rolex Grand Prix is obviously the feature class on the Sunday. It's something about that class, isn't it? It's always so good to watch with the biggest names and it always results in a great jump off. Is it one that's sort of top of your list to try and win this year? Well, they're an incredible sponsor, Rolex, and I think them coming into the, the show really has put even more prestigiousness into the to the show. You know, it, it really does attract the best horses and riders because it's such a lucrative Grand Prix now and um, thanks to them and I think you know I think that really does bring out the best horses and riders you know Uh, you know your sort of best horses in the world are coming uh, I'm sure again this year you know Henrik von Eckham and on King Edward and you you know uh, Ben will be there with his top well you know so I think it brings out the best thanks to thanks to the input from Rolex so I, I really think it makes it an, an extra special show uh, when people yeah. are watching top sport. Definitely and are your owners the lovely Lord and Lady Harris and Lord and Lady Kirkham are they able to come this year it's been a bit tough for owners over the past couple of years hasn't it? Yeah, so it has been, yeah, I um, feel really quite sorry for all owners because, you know, even when, thankfully, we were allowed to go to a few shows, it was very, very limited in, in, in who could come with us, you know. So yeah. really it was just rider and, and staff member uh, for for quite some time. So, yeah, um uh, my owners are coming and yeah really looking forward to them seeing the horses jump and mm-hmm. and that's what they love so yeah, yeah <laughs> I think it's nice for all owners to be back uh, to some sort of normality yeah definitely and which horses will you be bringing to Windsor this year then um the plan is to bring hello Jefferson uh with the Grand Prix in mind for him and um I'm going to bring a young mare hello Victoria who 
she's only eight, but um, I think is ready just to sort of start to be introduced into the bit bigger atmosphere and the bit bigger classes. So, oh, brilliant! Yeah, looking looking forward to to seeing how she copes with it all. And um, yeah, I might bring Mr. President just for um, an early uh, week class because right. he goes the week the week after to Saint Tropez. So. Um, he might come for one class just to uh, sort of prepare him for that, really. Fantastic. And tell us about Jefferson. I have to say he's one of my favourites, the brilliant Jezza, as he called at home. Um, he was obviously your Olympic horse. Um, what's, what are sort of his best attributes? What makes him so good, would you say? Oh, he's, uh, I would say he's, he's how clever he is. He is, he's, he's very clever. He, he's strong-minded, though. <laughs> and, um <laughs> He has a very busy brain. He has oh, to yeah. be. He has to be out doing something. Something he wants to be first out in the morning. He <laughs> he seems to never sleep. You know, whenever you go in the yard, <laughs> he's up on his feet. His head's out his door. He yeah. just wants to be doing something all the time. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, I've probably spent more hours on of my life working on Jefferson than any wow. other of my horses I would say you know yeah uh, that and and you know he is strong-minded so certainly at the start it took quite a long time just to you know understand one another and you know form you know a good partnership um I do feel like he's an unbelievably talented horse you know I think there's not many horses with great attributes that he has you know I, I really do think that there's no Grand Prix not capable of winning but just going and, and winning them now is the, that's the hard bit but I, yeah. I do think it's all in there to be able to be done so it's now up to me and my team to try and look after him the best we can and and me to be able to keep forming the the partnership in the saddle with them so that we yeah. can have a good communication together to be able to go and to go and win these these big Grand Prix. Fantastic. Do you think the best is still to come from him? I mean, he's I know he's already won some big Grand Prix, but um, you know, is he yeah. still on the up? So we shall we say? Yeah, definitely. I think the best is still to come because I just you know he's he's won some five star Grand Prix already. You know he's mm-hmm. he's won uh, Stockholm, he's won Valkenswaard, he's you know he has won a lot. Um, but uh, even though he's won, I've always felt in the rounds that we've even won that ah this could be better. You know, oh this, wow, <laughs> this 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 could still improve yet, and our sort of jump offs could improve. You know, sometimes just a lack of communication or a lack of um, misunderstanding, and and you know, you know, I think that can still improve yet. But yeah, he has all the talent. Um, you know, even at the Olympics, you know, we picked up a time fault, but he jumped fantastic. But I still know that it could have been even better, you know. So, yeah, I, I think it's all there. So I, I do hope that the best is is, is still to come, um, hopefully. Fantastic. And you mentioned uh, Victoria. For anyone that doesn't know, all your horses are given the hello prefix, aren't they, by by your owners? So, yeah, that's uh, she's another one to add to the string. Are you um, excited about her? What do you think? Uh, what are your hopes with her this year? Yeah, she's really exciting. She's such a a lovely mare. You know, she's really willing attitude. She really wants to please you. She really she gives you her all. Whether she's the last bit of scope in there whether there's the the sort of championship scope I'm not so sure um but whatever level she you know you know finishes out at she's gonna be a lovely horse at that level you know she's really careful she she enjoys jumping she she's fast I think she can be a good winner so Uh you know I, I I do I am excited about her I think she's she's a fantastic horse to have in in our string Nice one. And any other sort of younger ones coming through at the moment? Um, have you got more to, uh, to your string? Yeah, we've got we've a couple of young ones, but it's really, I think, the sort of next best generation are the ones that, you know, we've, we've bred from uh, Ursula and a couple of our mares, and I'm really excited seeing them. You know, I'm actually starting to uh, break one of them in just now uh broke a couple in last year throughout the 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 last lockdown i broke, right. broke in a couple of horses and um 
and it's been really nice spending time with them and I really feel that they do have some really great attributes so mm -hmm. uh, that's really exciting to work with and and yes we're we're you know a good few years away from that yet but I'm really excited for the, the long-term future for them hopefully. That's great. I mean, is that something you really enjoy, sort of spending time with the young ones, you know, the excitement of what they might be? And yeah. I guess you're on the road so much, you don't get to enjoy that so much. But Yeah, it's... well, the, the dreams the dreams always great, you know. When you're, <laughs> yeah. You know, you're, you're a very talented stallion to your very, very talented mare. You, <laughs> yeah. you, you, you can dream for a long time and, and have high hopes. But I really love working with them. You know, I really love, I really love seeing a horse that, doesn't know what you're asking from them and then they start to get it and start to learn I, th I think it's really really rewarding you know and uh -huh. um, I love I love seeing the young horses learn and love working with them and and uh, spending time with them and uh, I think you get a lot of reward out of it definitely um and at the other end of the scale you mentioned ursula but uh, there was a lovely video you posted recently of sanctos and ursula out in the field they're enjoying their retirement these days are they your two top horses former top horses yeah they're fantastic they're in great form and um always the, i always put the foals with with sanctos and ursula and uh, oh. <laughs> and they seem to it seems to keep them young you always see them playing in the field and uh Hopefully they can teach them a thing or two. Oh yeah. And, uh, but yeah, they certainly enjoying their 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 well deserved retirement. Oh, fantastic! Um, and talking about behind the scenes, you've been busy producing an amazing digital training platform, which is packed full of tutorials, and it's really got riders talking. It's a great concept. Tell us all about that. What was the thinking behind the training platform? Yeah, I think um, I think probably for a long time now, I've always sort of thought that you know how can you help people more how can mm -hmm. you share with people your knowledge that you know has been that has worked with horses or you've come across a difficult horse to work with that doesn't quite understand something and then being able to find the key to that horse you know how can you sort of share some of those experiences to be able to help other riders and I've always sort of had that in my mind, how how would you do that? And then also, you know, I, I, I do quite a bit of teaching and I've sort of um, had one-to-one -one pupils in the yard where, um, you know, they've based themselves with me and, and, you know, I've sort of spent time with them every night teaching them and, and, and trying to help them through their ed ed education of, of learning in the sport. And then it just always made me think, well, you know, it's good to help one person, but you know, how mm -hmm. can you, how can you help more people than just that? So I think when the, the, the pandemic hit, it sort of gave me time to put those sort of thoughts down on paper and, and think, right, okay, well, let's try and get a camera crew in uh -huh. and then do some tutorials, put that online and just see if that can sort of help a broader scale of rider and trying to understand their horses more and and in the end helping their horses uh improve their lives and be hopefully better educated and and, yeah. and everyone happy at the end of the day you know which is always nice to see because i always think there's nothing worse than seeing someone coming out the arena looking really unhappy because something's went wrong and then the horse always looks unhappy when the rider's unhappy and that's a horrible feeling and then in the same uh, other end of the scale I think it's so nice seeing someone coming out the arena jumping a brilliant round delighted delighted with their horse their horse yeah. has a happy face you know it's Aww. a really nice thing so it's you know I think that's sort of you know all those things together made me put this uh, concept together and, and bring up the produce the Scott Brash sort of training platform that people can go to. Um, you know, I've tried to make the platform as broad as I can and to, you know, try and help uh, riders of all levels. So I've tried to put as much in there as I can. There's there's, there's exercises in flat work, in pole work, jumping mm -hmm. exercises, there's management in there. You know, it's, it's a platform that you can go to, you can if you've run out of an idea for your horse and you're 
you're struggling with something with your horse, hopefully there's a tutorial in there that you can click on. There's a PDF that shows you how to set up the exercise. You can watch me doing it with one of my horses, Mm -hmm. uh, talking it through. Then hopefully you can go and set that up at home and practice it with your own horse. And hopefully that's going to be of benefit to, to people. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, what's the sort of most common question you get asked for help with? Is there a particular subject that people are always asking you about? Uh, I think it, I think probably quite a common one is horses sort of rushing before or after the jump. So oh, yeah. there is there's a tutorial in there. You know, again I could you know, I, I'm I'm hopefully gonna do a, a season two on this. You know, I want to be able to keep updating this each year and mm-hmm. sort of getting feedback from people and what the, what else I could do to help because at the end of the day, that's why I've set it up. I want to do it for the people. So, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm keen to hear the feedback and, you know, I could do a, an updated one if, if they still have more questions after it, but you know, like mm-hmm. there's a tutorial on a little exercise to set up on, on if your horse is rushing before or after the jump, I think that can be quite a common uh, question. A lot of people ask, a simple but very complicated one, which is how how do I see a stride? You know. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's that's a tough one. If I'm honest, you know, it's, <laughs> it's uh, all all comes down to what your eyes and brain tell one another. But there are some exercises that you can set up to help that. You know, and mm-hmm. so put that in there. You know, um, a lot of people have asked about you know how do you do a quicker jump off. You know, mm-hmm. so there's tutorials in there on on trying to improve your rollback turns. You know, there's bits and pieces of things that common questions that that have come up that I've tried to put in. Uh, yeah. But you know, I still I still want to hear more feedback. You know, it's uh, great the feedback that I've had, and mm-hmm. and hopefully um, I'll get more, and and that will generate uh, the next set of tutorials, basically. Amazing. Um, and I guess even Olympic gold medalists never stop learning. Who do you turn to for advice and which admire- riders do you most admire? Yeah, good question. I mean, listen, I think you can never stop learning. I feel like I'm, I certainly don't know it all, you know. Um, I, I, I still hungry to learn and learning a lot lately about our own bodies and our own uh how to improve the the structure of you as a person and and oh, you know yeah. so I think that could be something for the future but um yeah there's many riders I you know I come to a lot of five star shows so I, I'm very privileged to be able to watch some of the best riders in the world do what what they do and mm-hmm. you can never stop learning and there's lots of different ways to get to the sort of end product of a a rideable, uh, well-balanced, whatever round, you know, or, mm-hmm. or working with the horse. So I think there's lots of different ways. Um, so, and I think you see it in nations, you know, sort of the French have a similar style of riding uh, to the Americans, whereas the Germans are really quite different to that style. But I think you can learn from every different walk of life when you when you go around the world and watch these 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 riders from everywhere and. Uh, I think some of the riders I've looked up to uh, and still do is like, you know, Marcus Enning. Uh, I love his style. I love oh, how yeah. in tune he looks with his horse. Um, I'm very good friends with Marlon Zanatelli. Uh, oh, we yeah. bounce a lot of ideas off one another. I, I mean, there's 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 many, many people. I mean, uh, Nick Skelton growing up, I've always, and John Whitaker, I've always admired their careers and, and what they've achieved. Mm-hmm. Um, look your beer bum for everything he's achieved, and just and not just within the sport, you know. Sort sort of with Ludger, I've really always admired his management of his horses and how mm-hmm. how 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 uh, gets his horses looking great at every show, you know. Um, oh, it's true. Yeah, absolutely. You, you know, uh, Penelope Leprevost is a very good lady rider that that is uh, she's strong for a lady and and such a good lower leg and it's good to watch you know Daniel Dicer is very he's very tall rider so yeah uh, he's very good with his body you know there's lots of different riders I watch for different things and and watch how they 
teach their horses as well you know you can you can learn a lot just sitting watching a practice ring you know yeah sure I can imagine great position to be in um and finally just looking ahead then to the rest of the year what are your sort of goals and plans is the world championship the big one you're aiming at this year or what what are your aims yeah of course it's a big one you know it's um the important Olympic qualification at the World Championships mm-hmm. um, but you know sort of my situation right now is I don't have so many top uh, horses to be able to do the championships at this moment in time so sure. I do have to really balance my horses will always come first you know I'll not, I'll not over jump them you know and, and if uh, if it means sacrificing a big big show or whatever then you know you need to you need to manage your horses correctly and yeah uh, yeah, uh, that's where I'm at so but yes the world championships is a big goal this year the Rolex majors are always um, very important on our calendar Swacken and Calgary Geneva those sort of shows so and yeah every every one of my horses is a goal you know my three-year-old that I'm breaking in uh, just now has a goal you know (laughs) Um, albeit a different goal you know to be able to have a rider on soon and and walk trot and canter around the school nicely <laughs> with the uh that goal you know so yeah yeah it's good to good to make lots of different goals and and try and uh, achieve them definitely oh well scott it's been brilliant chatting to you as always and uh very exciting times hopefully looking forward to seeing how you get on at windsor and beyond this year thank you for joining us this week good thanks a lot thank you So I'm joined now by my colleague Catherine Austin. We're going to have a look back at last week's badminton horse trials presented by Mars Equestrian. Obviously the first badminton that we've had since 2019 and it was so good to be back, wasn't it Catherine? It was amazing to be back. I can't tell you, I'm not sure we all realised how much we'd missed it until we were there and saw those vast crowds of people, incredible amounts of people all really loving it and what, what an amazing week it was. Yeah, it really was. I did see a trade stand that said across the front something like badminton, it's good to be back. And I was like, oh, I just feel like they've captured the moment there for sure. Let us talk about the sport. I think we have to start with our winner, Laura Collett, riding London 52. Laura was incredible last week, wasn't she, Catherine? (laughs) She was. God bless her. She was amazing. To lead from the front, to establish a dressage mark of 21.4 and then to only to add 0.4 of a show jumping punch time penalty to that is the classiest possible way to win and she not only proved her brilliance to everybody there to herself she proved her faith in her horse and the value she has to our sport fantastic yeah and he hasn't been the easiest horse to up the levels in the sense that he's always been brilliant in the dressage but when he stepped up to the four le- four star level he did have some blips and they were high profile because he was always well placed after the dressage he was a potential medalist at the 2019 Europeans till he fell in the water near the end of the course and you know it was always as I say high profile so he, he really has proved what she always believed about how great he is. Yes, and she said that she, Tina Cook told her to take him to Buccalo after that fall at the Europeans to finish the season on a good note, and she did, and she said it was the making of him. And actually, he proved at Buccalo that first time that he really loved the crowds. He loved an atmosphere, and that certainly stood them in good stead this weekend. And he grew up, and she said he stopped needing her to hold his hand and came out and said, OK, I'm ready. This is great. And although their cross-country round wasn't completely flawless on Saturday, you know, he left a bit of a knee at fence four and she had to sit up. And But she got the job done. He kept jumping. He kept trusting her. They were held towards the end of the course. But that didn't... And that had never happened to him in his career before. But it didn't unsettle him. They galloped home. Classy show jumping round on Sunday. She was funny. She kept saying to us, "We couldn't. I couldn't see a distance. Well, over a very serious jumping track, it certainly didn't appear like that." And they are at the top of the sport now. Mm, I mean, you could hear Laura. I replayed those show jumping rounds yesterday morning, and you could hear Laura saying "whoa, whoa" in the distances to slow mm. him down. So clearly, her brain had kicked in, even if she felt like she couldn't. Yeah, she couldn't <laughs> see those distances. 
she had behind her two more British riders. First time in 20 years we've had a British 1-2-3 at Badminton. Ros Cantor in second with Lordship Scraffalo, just 10 years old. Oh, he was so impressive, wasn't he? Hugely impressive and probably the horse to take away from the weekend. The only combination to finish on their dressage score with no time penalties or jumping penalties of any sort. Wow. For, I saw him at Blair last year in the four star shorts and he looked great. But, you know, he's a nine year old horse. Who would have thought that he could come to an 11 minute 44 badminton cross country track and ace it You know, inside the time Ros Road absolutely beautifully and how completely thrilling to have Roz with another world-class horse yeah she is a rider obviously she's been successful on other horses before all-star b but you know he took her to another level and she was a, ho- a rider who unfairly i slightly wondered if she might be a one horse wonder at championship level and she'd never get that partnership with another horse but clearly proved that's very much not the case this this weekend with lordship scraffalo and when i was choosing pictures for the magazine report i was picking out a, an extra picture of rostig on the contents page and um i said to the person who was captioning that page i said this picture is classic ros she's calm she's in perfect balance not a hair out of place <laughs> yes and it was interesting that she said she's never ever had two horses at badminton before which when you consider she's the world champion she's been on british teams is slightly surprising and that kind of brings us on to the man who finished third and fifth oliver townend third on swallow springs a relatively new ride for him fifth on the magical balamore class who has done so much as eight five star clear rounds wonderful and, and we should appreciate how many times Oliver has piloted two horses to the very top of the order. I I can't help feeling a little bit sorry for him, although he's done, obviously, brilliantly to finish third and fifth. You do that consistently, ride brilliantly all the time, and he still didn't win, which is a little bit frustrating for him, I think. Yeah, I mean, he said this is the third time of badminton running on the bounce that he's had two horses in the top six. So the consistency is there. And hopefully if he keeps turning up, he'll get another turn. And I'm sure he will. You know, it's it's just, as you say, a bit frustrating waiting for that turn. But his pair of grey horses, you know, were both very, very solid all weekend. And particularly on cross country day, there were six clears in the time and Oliver had two of them. Yeah, Swallow Springs is so fast. I mean, I, yes, he was held for a while, which Oliver said actually it, it did him more harm than good. I think sometimes those top horses, you know, they just love to keep rolling, but he was easing up very comfortably inside the time coming towards the main arena, which is a pretty spectacular feeling. And dear Ballamore class, who Oliver has done everything with for so long, he just knows it so well, didn't, doesn't he? And he's such an interesting horse. You know, he's not easy. He's quirky. Oliver said he got really upset, surprisingly, down in the sort of the bit before they come up into the main collecting ring for the cross country. And Oliver saw two Beaufort hunt horses and made his way over to them. And the old horse took a big breath and went, oh, hi, I love you. You're my mates. And he stayed with them and they actually followed him up right up to the start and gave him a bit of a comfort blanket. And then he he set off and Oliver said he was actually a bit cocky to start with. Yeah, yeah, I've done this. I know what I'm doing. And then about halfway around, he went, oh, yeah, five star. Yes. OK, it's quite hard. I'll settle down. And and they were another inside the time. Fair play to Oliver for bringing two horses home around a track like that inside the time. Very impressive. Yep, for sure. And a horse who was just one second over the time on uh, on Saturday, finished fourth, Veneer Kamira with Piggy March, who were our reigning badminton champions. Wasn't it fun to see the old gal? <laughs> Two old gals. I'm not talking about Piggy, I'd like to point out. But Veneer Kamira and Classic Moe, two extraordinary mares who... You, if you walk past them, you wouldn't think, wow, that's my horse of a lifetime. But they're cross-country machines, quite different. You know, Veneer Kamira scraps her way round. She puts her ears back and she doesn't. She gallops with her head and neck quite low and she sometimes slithers over a fence, but she just keeps doing it. And I don't think Piggy ever feels she gives her a brilliant ride, but she just always gets there. And that's such a hugely hugely admirable quality and classic moe at 19 what a round i mean you don't, we talk to a lot of riders when they come back in from the cross-country pepper and they were saying 
it's hard work. And Janelle came back in and said, I had a lovely time. And I said, really? And she said, yeah, really enjoyed it. What a mare. She's 19. Isn't that extraordinary? Yeah, it was a great round. And uh, as you say, two, two very special mares who maybe don't look like much at all. Janelle said on the podcast a couple of weeks ago that she was a bit ashamed of Classic Moe when she first had her and used to hide down the back of the warm-up. But uh, that's definitely not the case now. Now, Catherine, we're going to go, go off track here now, let go of the leaderboard, just look at who impressed us during the week. I think I'm going to let you pick out two riders who impressed you from anywhere in the leaderboard for any reason, and then I'll I'll do the same. I would like to talk about Austin O'Connor, the Irish rider on Colorado Blue. They proved their cross-country worth, well, they've done it lots of times, but at the Olympics last year, and they they were fantastic in the jumping phases. You know, Austin was clear inside the time cross-country on a horse known as Salty at Home, um, only one second over the time in the show jumping. They rose vast, I mean, 50 places. It's just that can still happen at badminton, and that's why proper gritty five star cross country is wonderful because it allows horses and riders who haven't found the first phase the easiest to to shine and i thought I thought Austin was fantastic to watch all weekend and I think we should talk about Tammy Smith, the American rider on my Bam, who came here. Tammy had actually been to badminton once before and a different horse had actually failed the first trot up. So this was to all intents and purposes her first badminton. My Baum is a horse that has a huge reputation in the dressage and we wondered whether they would lead in that phase. They didn't. They were fifth, 25.3. But, and she had 11.2 time penalties cross country, but gosh, they look good and they look neat. I thought Tammy rode very, very well. They, I think by coming here, they proved what other people may have doubted in them, that they are a serious five-star partnership. And if this doesn't seal their world championship place for America, then I'd be quite surprised. And their show jumping round on Sunday was effortless. Just so impressive. Mm, agree. My bum is, I would say, probably the most beautiful horse in the competition. And he was very impressive this weekend. I'm going to pick out another American who I also hope is going to get a chance to go to the World Championships. Uh, if I was a US selector, obviously I'm not, but I'm just going to throw some thoughts out there. I would maybe take Tammy as an individual to the Worlds because she is a potential individual medalist, but doesn't have a vast stock of five-star form behind her. And I would take Ariel Grould as a team member. No, Not so good in the dress but this was her fourth really solid five-star result. She's been in the top 12 at Burley in Kentucky. She was third at the Moulin last year and finished 15th here at Badminton. She was a rider who was disappointed with her dressage. She'd hoped to go better than the Moulin and end up a couple of penalties worse. And that wasn't about the judging. The horse was quite tense and for a big horse was taking very short strides in the canter. Um, but he was impressive all the way through the jumping phases. He's an Irish bred horse by Master Imp, a big rangy horse. Um, and uh, came in with eight time penalties cross country and, and clear show jumping just one second over the time to finish up 15th. So yeah, Ariel, very impressive US rider. For my second person, I'm going to pick out David Dole. He was sixth and the best British first timer. Sixth. I mean, Catherine, sometimes we had the best British first timer in 20th and we think that's pretty good, don't we? Oh, I know. He did an amazing job across country. Um, they didn't have a good Bicton five-star last year. And I wouldn't have known that they had this in them. To come home with only 1.2 time penalties was hugely impressive. <laughs> yeah, th this was a very, very eye-catching result. It really was. And then show jumped clear on Sunday and came into the mix and said, yeah, it was mega. It was wicked, um, <laughs> which was which was great to see just that real spontaneous joy from David. His owner, Gillian Jonas, didn't she used to own horses with Mary King, Catherine? Yes. Yes. So great to see someone back in the sport at the very top level as an owner and David being so impressive there and really fighting with the big boys. There were lots of good British performances, though, weren't there? I mean, Tom Jackson's cross-country ride on the big, long, grey Capels Hollow Drift should be noted, I think. Yep, agreed. And I talked quite a lot on the daily podcasts about Alice Caspern, who is the youngest rider, 20 years old, finished 19th, about Felicity Collins, who finished 21st, another first-timer. As you say, lots of them lots of them up there and uh, pushing, pushing to get into those top ranks in the future, hopefully. 
Good old William Fox Pitt finishing 13th and 14th. He will be disappointed with that. Both horses had two poles down show jumping, which is a shame. But I enjoyed William Pilot. Both horses cross country. Neither was easy in different ways, I think. But he still got it. Yeah, definitely. I thought William rode certainly as well as he has since he had his serious fall in 2015 and maybe as well as he rode before that um, across country and as you say both horses a bit disappointing in the show jumping he said Oratorio was a little wild that he felt he had him very organised outside and lost that in the arena Little Fire he's a good jumper generally and maybe was a little more at a loss to explain that maybe the horse was just a little tired and the the ground was very good but on the firmer side so some work to do some thinking to do about the show jumping but both very competitive and very impressive cross country and little fire did a very good test as well 27.3 it was interesting to see tom McEwen there on the chestnut mare chf coolizer <sighs> She she can jump. Wow, can she jump? You know, five-star first-timer. But I think that she will settle and learn and come on from that. Obviously, it was very disappointing, however, to see Tom and the great Toledo de Cursa on the floor halfway around the track. Um, they fell at the bounce coming out of the light source BP solar panels, which was a great shame and not the way we would have wanted their badminton to finish. No, Tom was a was a serious title contender, and in the end, couldn't of course have beaten Laura, but he could have. Uh, he was second after dressage and could have pushed her pretty close and put the uh, put the pressure on. So yes, but uh, yes, CHF Coolizer, very impressive womanizer mare, who I saw when I went to Tom's yard earlier in the year, and he told me then that someone had said to him, "Oh, uh, I've uh, I've got a woman, another womanizer. Would you would you be interested in looking at it?" And he said, "There's only room for one Eliza in the yard." Um, so <laughs> she's quite a character, but uh, but very talented and, and hopefully another top horse for Tom in the future. Catherine, of course, we had a new organisation team at the head of badminton this year as well, an organising team who'd waited an awful long time to deliver this event after coming in straight after the 2019 event and then having to wait three years, missing two events to get here. Thoughts on that? Oh, huge congratulations to Jane Tuckwell and Andrew Tucker. This must have been so nerve-wracking for them, charged with the responsibility of putting on this so beloved event after two years off and for the first time. And I thought they did an amazing job and huge congratulations to everyone at badminton. This was a really important week both for, for general sport in Britain, for horse sport in Britain, for eventing. And I think they did completely brilliantly. And I think they must be, uh, they must all be suffering from nervous exhaustion. But I hope they can look back and realise how well they did and enjoy it. Thank you very much from all of us. Mm, definitely. I remember on the very first day I saw uh, Andrew coming away from the media centre with uh, a bag of M&Ms. Obviously, we were all just mainlining Mars chocolate the whole week. Thank you. Yeah, Mars. that was great. <laughs> yeah. um, I ate and, so many Skittles. <laughs> and I saw Andrew with this bag of M&Ms and, uh, you know, he gave me a kiss with a mouthful of M&Ms. And I said, everything all right? And he said, yeah, so far, so good. And kept bumping into him through the week and uh, seemed to be so far, so good all the way. So, yep. Congratulations to the organising team. Congratulations to all the riders who who did well in whatever way at their level. Um, thoughts, of course, with Nicola Wilson, who had a serious fall and we're waiting for more updates at the time of recording on her condition. So all of our thoughts with her, her husband, Alistair, all of her family and connections. And thank you for joining me to review Badminton, Catherine. My pleasure. So having finished talking about badminton in some detail with Catherine, I'm joined now by two members of our Horse and Hound news desk, including our senior news writer, Lucy Elder, who was with me last week at badminton. Are you recovering, Lucy? I'm still reliving it, Pippa. <laughs> I think I'm going to sit and watch the highlights programme tonight as I, I'm i not ready for it to end. And also, as you know, when you're, when you're reporting and doing a lot, it's quite hard to actually sit and watch every everything so i i want to I want to watch it again. Basically, I'm not ready for it to end. How about you? <laughs> yeah, I agree. I would. I would like to to sit down and watch that highlights program, or maybe what even watch the whole cross country day again. Mm. So, yeah, looking forward to having time to do that. We also have our senior news writer Becky Murray. How's it going with you, Becky? Did you get a chance to watch much? 
I did. Um, goodness, my weekend revolved around either sort of reading about badminton or on Sunday, I was sort of watching all the highlights. I mean, goodness, it was just action packed. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it was definitely a busy one whether you were at badminton or as you say, if you were if you were following from home, probably people had a lot of content to consume as well. On to other news. Becky, we talked a couple of weeks ago on the podcast about coaches and insurance. And I think you've been looking at a related story this week around unlicensed coaches. Can you fill us in? What's this all about? Yes. So like you say, this about coaches and licensing and specifically coaches who might offer lessons on their own horses, for example, schoolmaster lessons. And we have heard there's been quite an increase in this happening, but the key point is for coaches to offer this service, they must have the appropriate license in place. And if they don't, they are actually breaking the law and penalties can include fines and prison. So it's something that really should be taken quite seriously. Okay. And you spoke, I think, to a couple of, of riding school professionals about, about this and, and the problems they face with competition from coaches who aren't licensed. What did they say? I spoke to British Horse Society fellows, uh, Pammy Hutton and Tim Downs. Pammy told me she regularly sees people offering these lessons on social media, um, and say those without a license, and this actually includes some top riders, she said. And Tim Downs said it is a situation that's getting worse and there needs to be much more awareness that this is going on. Okay, and I think there are some insurance implications around this as well. Yes, that's right. I spoke to SEIB insurance brokers and they said if a coach told insurers they were giving lessons on their own horses, then the underwriters would have asked them whether they had a riding establishment license in place. If that answer was no, they didn't, then insurers would not have granted a policy. And on the other hand, where a coach has taken out an insurance policy but not mentioned they were providing these schoolmaster lessons and they didn't have a license to, then insurers could consider this to be a breach. And in the event of a claim, the insurer could reduce the amount paid out or not pay at all. Okay. So serious implications there for people, even if you feel like you're just teaching a friend on, on an old horse you have, you definitely need to have the right paperwork and, and so on in place to do that or, or, or you could run into problems. Thank you, Becky. Lucy, you have been looking at a story around preparations ramping up for our various world championships this year. Just to remind people, we no longer have a World Equestrian Games, which was the event that happened every four years and brought together the championships in eight disciplines, I think it was, by, by the last World Equestrian Games. We have world championships for different events happening at different venues on different dates this year. So the eventing and driving runs at Protoni del Vivaro in Italy in September. What's the latest from the organisers there, Lucy? So there's been three million euros invested into the site, which was originally it was originally built for the Rome Olympics back in 1960. And we heard an update at the FEI Sports Forum in April. And the organisers there said that the sports side of things is ready to go. There was a really positive sounding update. They said there's still some work to do on the commercial side. And as we're recording this, people, uh, competitors are arriving for the test event, which happened the week following badminton. So we should very shortly have an even better idea of of just how that site's going to look and sort of testing out you know the logistics of it all so I'm quite looking I'm really looking forward actually to seeing to seeing some photos from that and what we can expect in September. Mm, okay well I'm excited to go to Protoni mainly because I'm hoping for a lot of pizza and pasta mm. <laughs> so looking forward to as you say hearing some feedback from that test event that's happening this week and we have Herning in Denmark hosting the dressage paradressage jumping and vaulting European championships in August and they have some news that you've been catching up on about making the championships more green and sustainable Lucy tell us a bit about that I thought this was particularly interesting, really. They were talking about sustainability, as you mentioned there, from a green side of things, but from multiple angles, which they kind of all interweave when you look at the bigger picture. So sustainability in the sport, they were talking about setting a benchmark for the future in terms of equestrian sport and engagement. Uh, also showing the local area why it's why it's a good idea for the venue to have horse shows and the benefits they can bring, as well as financial sustainability, which is actually a, quite a big one, as we know, that that was a challenge of the former WEG model. Um, and coming back to environmental sustainability, they're planting um, what they're calling a world championship forest, which is part of their 
part of the green plan to, and also to give back to the area of Herning with a place for place for residents to go and enjoy, uh, which I thought was a really new fresh idea and in terms of people coming to the event as well they're really looking to help people offset or encourage people to offset transport related co2 emissions where possible as well because if you think about the number of horse boxes and people traveling there for whatever reason whether they're riding or uh, or volunteering or spectating that's a lot of journeys so i think this is very really interesting that they're making that they're pushing this point as well so uh, yeah i can't wait to see that one in august as well yeah, it's something a lot of organisers are thinking about, isn't it? It was noticeable at mm. Badminton this year that they were encouraging people to bring water bottles and fill up, not not buy plastic water bottles. And I noticed, Lucy, did you notice this, that our, our press office lunches that we were kindly supplied with came with cans of water mm-hmm. rather than plastic bottles? Yeah, it was interesting, wasn't it? And I guess it all adds up. Yeah, definitely. And presumably those those cans can be recycled more effectively than plastic would be. Well, thank you, Lucy. Becky, coming back to you, I feel like you've been doing all the work on the news desk while we were gadding about at badminton. <laughs> <laughs> you have been reporting on a topic which was recently debated in the House of Lords. What's this all about? Well, this is about vet shortages. And it's actually a topic that we reported on in 2019 when vets were added to the government's shortage occupation list. Now, this issue hasn't gone away and, in fact, has perhaps got a bit worse. Uh, It's been sort of exacerbated by Brexit and then COVID. The topic sort of raised in the House of Lords was basically looking at what's been done by the government and whether this is being addressed. It was discussed that recruitment, retention and encouraging returners back to work after career breaks are some of the key issues around this. And it was suggested by Lord Trees that the government need to raise the funding for UK vet students, which he said would displace the need to take overseas students and immediately increase very substantially the number of UK students undergoing vet training. Okay, and what did the Royal College of Veterinary Surgeons, the RCVS, have to say about it? Well, they provided some interesting figures. Um, The number of vets joining the RCVS register declined from 2,782 in 2019 to 2,061 in 2021. And they also mentioned there's been an increase in vets leaving the register's UK practicing category since 2018. But they have said there's no silver bullet for solving the workforce crisis and, you know, the ongoing impacts of COVID and Brexit are still being felt. They've said there's been recent developments that will increase the number of UK vet graduates with um, this includes four new vet schools on the horizon. But um, the RCVS did agree with Lord Trees that there will need to be significant investment by the government in UK veterinary education if we were to sort of see a change in this. Okay, and specifically on the horse side, I think you were in touch with someone at the British Equine Veterinary Association, Beaver. What was what was their insight? Well, Beaver absolutely recognise the various issues that have been raised on this topic and they're in alignment with the uh, RCVS about this. But they are actually planning to launch a recruitment and retention survey next month for its membership to sort of build on previous work that's been done in this area. And um, Dr Renate Weller certainly looked into it previously. And Beaver is also going to be working with Dr Amy Grice, who is a world leader in understanding the generations of equine vets. And she's undertaken some work on the topic. And the plan is she is going to attend the Beaver Congress in September. And they're going to be sort of working on this quite actively and taking this forward. Mm. Thank you, Becky. Well, we definitely need enough vets to look after our horses. So this is a, a serious topic. So thank you for bringing us up to speed and to Lucy for joining us today too. Now we're going over to Trisha Nassau-Williams. Trisha is a qualified saddler, saddle fitter, bit and bridle fitter and liveryman at the Worshipful Company of Lorreners. She's lectured in Lorrenry, that is bits and bridling, to saddlery students at Capel Manor College for many years. Having previously run her own retail saddlery shop specialising in Lorrenry and saddle fitting, she now works as the field officer and Lorrenry consultant for the British Equestrian Trade Association. Over to you, Trisha. So just a short bit of advice for you on this episode. We're going to look at the part of the rider. In bitting and bridling and saddling our horses properly, the equipment that we have is just one part of the story. 
they are only the tools of our trade and good equitation will always come back down to the rider, their commitment, their ability and their own self-consciousness, if you like. So having an independent seat and independent hands, still hands, is so important to not only success, but to the comfort and welfare of our horses. It breaks my heart if I go and see, I was at the other week at a riding school, quite a big riding school actually, and a person was going around having a riding lesson. They're obviously a novice rider. And every time they went up and down in the saddle, the hands moved up and down by I think about eight, nine inches. And that poor horse was just carrying on, plodding around, enduring it. But you just were desperate to say, keep your hands still. Um, years gone by, we would have had as routine lunge lessons, the lunge ride. And the idea of that is to build up our core strength, our own independence within the saddle for an independent seat so that we are able to prevent ourselves from making any unintended contact on the horse's rein or imbalance on him when we're performing. You only have to look at some of the top, top dressage riders to see this poetry emotion and realise that the end of line of command is very much in the hands that it's all coming from the seat the legs the hands through the horse through the horse's body rounding with a bit at the end of the line of command rather than the beginning we can't all aspire to be top dressage riders but we can all inspire to have an independent seat and work on our own core strength for our horse's welfare as well as our satisfaction as riders also to think of our leg aids so that we are consistent and clear in our leg aids and we don't nag with the lower leg which can become an unknowing habit if you're not careful. And having routine management of the horse's teeth, his tack assessment, making sure his feed is right, his feet are right, all of the overall holistic considerations into the management of our horses so that we can have the best possible experience with them that we can. Understanding what is good quality, what is a good quality bit, what is a good quality leather, what is an appropriately fitting bridle and saddle are all really important parts that we as riders have with our horse so we can get the most satisfaction from our experience with them and they can be as happy as possible. It's so important to know and understand about horses if we don't know and appreciate the different issues that there are involved in a holistic approach of saddling and bridling and bitting, then we can't appreciate it. And if we can't appreciate it, we can't implement it. And that's the part of our rider, whether we're a top performer at competition or a leisure rider, our horse is still with us during that time. So I hope you found that useful and interesting. BETA are the British Equestrian Trade Association here to serve you and your horse. If you're wanting to know a bit more about bits and bitting, BETA have got a BETA Lorenry course. It's a one-day course that covers many of the topics to do with bitting, whether it's its selection, equine mouth confirmation, different types of bit and mouthpiece, and all the considerations to help you with bitting your horse. Do go to beta-uk.org to find out more. Thank you, Tricia. Well, that is the end of Tricia's mini-series. So thank you so much for all of your insight over the past eight weeks, Tricia. It's been great learning more about bits and bitting and what might help your horse in different situations. Next week, we have a very special interview for you. We'll be reliving badminton with winner Laura Collett. So make sure you tune in for that. We'll also be hearing from Ricky Farr of Farr and Percy Equine. He'll talk about his experiences working as a vet over the years. Plus, we'll review the Royal Windsor Horse Show and the rest of the week's news. Do join us then. The Horse and Hound podcast is a Media Cage production.